to the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. And in less than one week's time, the Toronto Blue Jays roster will maybe look a whole lot different. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene, .tv network, and part of the Overtime Media crew. We are approaching trade deadline time. And in 2019, this is it. There is only one trade deadline. And we're going to break it all down. Joining me for the first time this year, I believe, maybe. No, this is the second time this year. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. To talk all things Toronto Bouchers, Connor Chambers of Toronto Sports <laughs> Views. Second time's a charm. Bro, what's up? Hey, we haven't really talked too much Jays this year. No. So I get, I, I understand why you're like, well, first time, second time, third time. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, th- I think it's the second time, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, dude. It's all, it's all whatever. It's all blurred to me because everything just blends together when we talk. You know, we, we, we drop so much news, so much breaking news, and the first time in a long time there is no breaking news today. And uh, we, oh, we're always the carriers of breaking news for I the know. Blue Jays. It's <laughs> something always happens. Yeah. Um. But look, before we break down Blue Jay stuff, before we talk about the trade deadline, um, I'm going to hit you with a little surprise. Um, So as you heard from the jump of the show, from the top, I'm part of the Overtime Media crew. Um, My contract ran up for that on August 1st. I have been extended to June 2020. So y'all motherfuckers out there that are tired of hearing the overtime media drop and or the commercials, I'm sorry to say you're going to have to deal with it for a whole nother year. So good things are happening. Give me me a year supply of blue chew and we're on the, we're, we're rocking and rolling. We're in business. Uh, Can never get enough blue chew, man. Come on. You really can't. No, No, no. Um, Especially if you use the codes. The set. codes overtime. Overtime. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how are things with you, man? How you been? How you have you been following the Blue Jays uh, ad nauseum? Good. They've they've been good. Uh, it's been, it's been a busy summer, uh, which is good because then you know we don't dwell on certain things like people on Twitter with Kawhi Leonard. I know it's this isn't a Raptors podcast. Who's but that? Everyone. <laughs> What and, and the who? <laughs> who? I've never Kiwi. Yeah. Kiwi. Kiwi Leonard. Yeah. Never heard of him. Um, and uh, you know, it's it, it's good because I've been I've I've followed the Jays. Admittedly, not as much as obviously I have when they've been in contention, where I'd watch like every single game. Right. Um, I'm keeping up with most games, and and to 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 my credit, I have been watching most games this year. Um, and if I miss a game, I watch the highlights. So it's not like I'm I'm missing anything, but um, you know, when, when a team is so far out of it and in the summer, there's not much else to do. You try to find ways to keep busy, which is what I've been doing, but this is always my favorite time of year, regardless of whether the Jays are in a buy mode or a sell mode, because I like to put on the GM hat. And I think that's why you always have me on when it's trade deadlines of anything. So, yeah. um, yeah, this is, uh, I love this time of year, regardless of what position they're in, because it makes you pay just a little bit more attention to the Blue Jays and everyone else in the major leagues. It's true, right? This is this is the upside of having sort of a rebuilding year, and uh, you can eliminate the two words sort of in that sentence. This is <laughs> yes. a rebuilding year, right? And you know, when you have a team that is a clear-cut seller, um, it really 
makes you wonder who is a fit for the future of this team. And when you when you you know analyze the roster and see who has a has a place in 2020 and beyond, um, it's really it really gets interesting. It gets exciting, and it adds a little bit of flair to an otherwise disappointing season. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean we. We kind of need every little flair that we can get yeah. uh, with with this team right now. But I mean, like we said, we said at the beginning, oh, actually, I think I've been on what? Yeah. OK, twice now I'm thinking because once at the beginning of the year, we yeah. said at the beginning of the year when we were trying to trying to sort of predict what the record would be for Toronto. We both, I think, said in the same breath, we said, look, well, we wouldn't be surprised if this team was contending for a wild card and they win like 80 to 85 games. But we also wouldn't be surprised if this team was like a 60, 65 win team. Right. And there was really no expectations coming into the year. So the fact that they're sort of in this position right now, to me, doesn't mean much because even if you make a wild card, you're probably going to lose to like the Yankees. So um, the fact that they're just in a position now where they have the young promising assets and they're showcasing themselves right now uh, gives a lot of hope and promise. And that's kind of what Blue Jays fans can sort of bank on going into this trade deadline. And, might be the reason why the Jays might be a little reluctant to potentially trade Marcus Stroman if they don't get the right package. Yeah, it's going to really test the uh, the patience and the uh, the direction that Ross Atkins and Shapiro are uh, undergoing with this team, right? Because we've been sold this narrative that there is a certain plan underway, like a I don't know, a a three to four year plan regarding how they're going to build this team and when they envision a contention window to open. Um, And it's, and it's crazy to think that we're right in the middle of that. And in a way I feel, and I know this is really hard to see because of the optics of this season in particular, but I feel like it's accelerating just a little bit, right? I feel like we as Blue Jays fans, we're watching this team, we're seeing them lose more than a handful of games, and we're seeing this season be sort of a disappointment, especially in the pitching aspect overall. Um, But when you see the kids and how they're developing so quickly, the, the opportunity to contend may come quicker than the regime has anticipated. And that is what makes this trade deadline so unique because if that is accelerating, right, and if that is just around the corner, and I'm not saying necessarily 2020, but maybe 2021 when their foot is seriously on the gas, gunning to 100, um, it makes you wonder if the optics of how they're going to handle this trade deadline is maybe evolving ever evolving every day i think it has to right um i've always i've always envisioned this team thinking that 2021 would be the year that they would make some noise for at least a wild card um now 2020 might be a bit of a of a stretch but you never know right if these kids can develop the 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 only real problem is the pitching right that we don't have, I mean, Nate Pearson is most likely going to make the next step into the major leagues in 2020. Um, but after him, I mean, he got who I like Ryan Baraki's just come back. Sean Reed fully, maybe I know you have the waggest facts of the world. Patrick and, Murphy. Um, y- y- you know, uh, yeah. Otherwise, 
there's not really much. And that's why I think 2021 is probably the more realistic timeline um, for the Jays to at least be legitimate contenders and make some noise in a very tough American League East division. Um, what what they decide to do with Marcus Stroman is going to be very pivotal. Um, whether they decide to keep him or not, there's arguments to be made for both. Uh, if they do decide to keep him and they don't trade him at the deadline, they have they have to extend him like ASAP. Or if they do decide to trade him, it's got to be for a really good package because the trades that they've made lately, they haven't really won on, I would say. So uh, if they are going to trade him, it has to be a win trade, which m- might be the reason why uh, the reports are floating out. They might be a little bit hesitant to trade Marcus Stroman. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's jump right into Stroman because this has been a hot topic uh, pretty much every episode ever since I resurrected the Blue Jays talk transitioning from Raptors. Um, again, who? Um, so, <laughs> Say what? I've yeah, never heard of so, them. Strowman is obviously a fan favorite, and it bothers those particular fans that this current front office isn't making it a priority to hold on to him. Well, let's pump the brakes a little bit, and you alluded to it, and I might as well just spill the beans right here. First of all, no, it's all good. (laughs) We're recording this Thursday evening, so this news at least to the both of us, as far as I understand, has literally just dropped. So according to Andy Martino of Sportsnet New York, the Blue Jays have told interested teams that they might not trade Stroman but extend him. Um, in a separate report, Jamie Campbell of Sportsnet tweeted that, uh, you know, the Toronto Sportsnet, tweeted that the Blue Jays <laughs> are not being offered top-tier prospects for Stroman, and this may make them reluctant to move him. And Andy Zuber, Andrew Zuber of Yahoo Sports wrote Thursday that the Blue Jays are now reportedly believed they reached, they received rather enough quality offers that a high enough floor has been reached to begin a real bidding prospect, uh, process to maximize their return. So there's conflicting reports a little bit here and there. I don't know what is genuine. I don't know what is leverage. I, I don't know how this works. But when it comes to these three sources, um, I don't know, I tend to lean towards the Blue Jays camp, right? Because Jamie Campbell, you can love him or hate him, but he's he's not a dimwit, I feel. And when you're connected to Sportsnet, who pretty much owns the team via Rodgers, I feel like they're well-connected and well through the pipeline of the Blue Jays. So if they're not being offered what they want, to me, it just makes total sense that they would extend him. That is in a vacuum, though. The problem is, is that I also feel that the damage has been done and they've been throwing out this attitude, at least, you know, maybe under the radar. But the, the general feeling and the consensus is that, hey, man, we just don't fucking want you on our team anymore. And that is really <laughs> hard to remedy. So I, I kind of wanted to get your take on this. What do you feel or how do you feel about these three separate reports and how they're sort of conflicting? And where do you stand on how the Blue Jays should treat or handle this Marcus Stroman trade or lack thereof? Yeah, um, I'm in complete agreement with you in terms of the reports. If you're going to take one of them and say one is correct and the other two aren't, you're probably going to lean towards the Toronto Sportsnet uh, report from Jamie Campbell. And obviously, for the reasons that you mentioned, Rogers owns um, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, obviously, there's enough back like like underground network channels that he can hear things from or that are purposefully given to him to put out there. And maybe 
maybe that's just a, a uh, PR move from the Blue Jays themselves to say, look, put this out there, right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Like, there might be truth to it. I don't know. But if you're going to look at everything isolated from where we are, that's probably the report that you lean towards. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't know what to do with Strowman because I think that he had obviously with every player. I mean, they, their contract has a potential of being an overpaid contract. But if you think about it this way, by the time Strowman becomes or, or by the time the Blue Jays become true contenders, which is or at least knocking on the door, which we said at the beginning of the show might be 2021. Marcus Stroman is going to be at least 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that he would be a positive contributor to rotation, right? You given um, maybe a year or two of him being that number two, potentially number three guy, if he continues his trajectory the way that he's been going. But if you look at Stroman, he's had two, he's had two really good years. He's had one horrendous year last year, and he's had one mediocre year. And is that enough to pay a, a pitcher $20 million a year? I don't really know, but that's not why I get paid the big bucks. I think that if they don't get the prospects that they're looking for, I think that you have to extend a guy like Strowman because it's all about asset management at this point, which is my favorite term to use. You know that yeah. asset management. Uh, if that's the case, you sign them. You get the deal done. And then if you do want to trade him and someone goes, look, like we could really use a guy like him. Three more years of control and cost certainty. We'll give you X, Y, and Z. Then if you want to pull the trigger, you do it. I think that Strowman would still really like to be a Toronto Blue Jay. I think that he's had, like the guy has Toronto skyline tattooed on his abdomen. Yep. He, he is Toronto. And he has bought in after his last start. He came off the mound going, this is my fucking city, right? Like he's, he's Toronto. He is Toronto. And people of Toronto like him back because of that, because he owns Toronto. And that's, it's not common that this level of love happen. So I think that fans want the front office to show the love back. And I think that's where the disconnect becomes from fan base to front office to player. We'll see what happens. Uh, if it were me and I don't get the top level prospect package that I'm looking for, I extend Marcus Stroman in a heartbeat. Mm. But if if it's there and it's from multiple teams and you can create that bidding war like the other port, that the other report suggested, you have to consider it, especially if you think that it can line up with the group that's up and coming, the young group, because you don't really have a ton of young pitching, a ton of quality young pitching on the way. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there is only one player on this team that this current regime has extended, and that's Graychuk, right? There's no yes. other player. Yeah, there's no other player on this team. You can talk about arbitration cases or oh, whatever. Well, actually, I think, well, they, they extended uh, Justin Smoke, right? Did they, or did they just pick up his options? No, they gave him a contract. Okay. Um, and that, that contract ended up being, yeah, in 2016, they gave him like a three-year deal. And I think, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was it was something of like three or $4 million a year, something really cheap. Okay. And that's when he was coming off his garbage year with Chris Colabello sort of taking his job. And everyone yeah. was like, why the hell are you giving Justin Smoke this money? This guy's that's garbage. Right. You should put him on waivers, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So um, in terms of that, of terms of, 
keeping players around, I think those would probably be the only two that come to head. So yeah. that come to my head. Yeah, no, no doubt. Thank you for that. There's there has been no pitching uh, players that yes. have been extended, and this would be the first time that this regime would have to put their money where their mouth is, or rather, Rogers would. And I hate using that buzzword because that just ignites people right now when I talk about Rogers, but. This is going to be a true test to how this regime is going to handle players of Marcus Stroman's ilk moving forward. Um, there is a conflict here, though, and I'm not just talking about the obvious conflict between uh, the the perceived attitude of the front office towards Marcus Stroman and or vice versa. Um, there is a conflict here that you're going to have to pay Marcus Stroman like an ace in 2019 when he's not an ace that's the problem that i can you know conceivably see coming up if and when extension talks occur because yes marcus stroman might be the best starting pitcher or pitcher depending how you want to you know gauge him against someone like giles he may be the best pitcher on this team right now but Look who he's going up against, right? The the con- the contest here is against guys like Sanchez, like Thornton, like Richard, like Gavilio, like Biagini. This is not a, a studded group here. It is easy to be like an on any other team a number three starter, but the best pitcher on the Blue Jays, right? So I feel like when you when you have these extension talks, it's going to be skewed because, yes, he's the best you got, but he's still not worth that. He's still not worth maybe, I don't know, a four-year, $100 million contract. I just don't see it, or a four-year, $80 million contract. I don't think he's worth that, but I feel like that's what it's going to take to keep him if they extend him at all. Yeah, I think I think it I think it starts with 480 and that's why I kind of alluded to at that point where it's like uh all right that that contract might be okay in the first 2 years. Um and then once he gets north of 30 especially with the last 2 years and you'll him 40 plus million it might look a bit bad, but I saw a stat uh, on Twitter yesterday that actually kind of surprised me. I didn't know it. Um, this, uh, this gentleman, Scott Carson on Twitter, I, I don't follow him, but I saw someone liked it. So, uh, he said, uh, if this is indeed Marcus Stroman's final start in Toronto with the blue Jays, his career home ERA of 3.42 with minimum 400 innings pitched ranks third all time in franchise history behind Doyle Alexander and Roy Halladay. Yeah, that's good, but it's not that's $80 million good. Yeah, but you have to remember how much of it hitters park Rogers Center is. Yeah, but also look at the history of the Blue Jays pitchers. How many of them have been great besides those two? We, yeah, we've had good pitchers, but having a home ERA of three point four two, there's not a lot of people that have done it. There's been two. Mm, right? That's my point. My so, point is that in, in franchise history, there's only been really two good arms ever. I, I think no. Well, Roger Clemens was a great arm for the days. That's true. He, good call. Good call. He, right. Touché. So, and he's he's not there. And Wells, um, good call. All right. You know. So, um, it's it's just I don't know. I think I think that those numbers are. I mean, home area of three point four two for the years that he started is pretty good for the Roger Center, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I think I think that that's almost that fine line of 20 million where it's almost like one side if both sides feel a little bit uncomfortable with it almost like where Strowman's like yeah I could I could sort of make this work and the Jays like ah we could sort of make this work then I think that that's good because I think that that's almost the medium between both that makes them happy where it's like they they feel like they're both compromising a bit to get to a goal Whereas where one side feels like they've completely ripped the other off, it's probably not what you want. Um, I think both sides need to feel it a little bit. If it goes north of 20 uh, average annual, I don't know if that's something that I would do if I'm the Blue Jays, but this number has to almost be understood before they decide not to trade Stroman, if that's the route that they're going to take. Um, I don't know if that's been understood with the Toronto Blue Jays because from all reports and accounts, especially from the word of Stroman himself, there's been no extension talks. So I think that that might be an error on the Blue Jays front office to not at least have an understanding of, okay, we're prepared to offer Stroman this, but Stroman wants 25 million and we're prepared to offer him 17 million a year. Right. Right. So, if they if they had that understanding, I don't know if they do or not. Maybe maybe they do. Maybe the agent talked to them about it and Stroman doesn't know or it's been under wraps. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But if if they don't have that number and they don't have that information going into this next week, that could potentially be a fatal flaw for the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, not necessarily, right? Because they still have an entire offseason and an entire sure. year to negotiate this right but sure my fear is that stroman is such an emotional dude that it wouldn't shock me if he was like okay now you guys want me let's fucking go let's talk about what i want you know like it's kind of like if you're dating someone and you just kind of like i don't want to talk to you today i don't want to fucking talk to you today. i don't want to hang out with you today (laughs) and then you're just kind of like no, you know what? I kind of want to get some ass today. Let let me talk to you. Right? And it's just sort of like you can't just do that, right? It, yeah. it, that person on the other line of the text or the phone calls is gonna be like, "Are you fucking for real right now?" Like, there's yeah. going to be some disconnect there. So it makes me wonder how Marcus Stroman is going to uh, receive any sort of extension talks right now, because I feel like if that's the case, Marcus Stroman at that point is completely in the driver's seat. Yeah, so you're saying that the Jays are the horny little fuckers of the relationship. That's basically, <laughs> well, that's if basically. they want to extend him, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Um, that's actually, it's a very good analogy, and it's pretty spot on. I mean, uh, can't, I mean, there hasn't really been, the Blue Jays have said the right thing, so there hasn't been almost like a public shaming from the Blue Jays organization. If anything, Marcus Stroman's done the public shaming against the Blue Jays, um, whether it's been with him, with his extension talks or with the team, um, how it's been constructed itself. You know, famously, he said there's not enough veterans. Uh, He said that they feels like they're not trying, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but in his defense, it has been quieted throughout the regular uh, season. Yes, um, absolutely. 100%. You haven't heard that throughout the regular season. Um, You are right, though. He would be in the driver's seat because now the Jays almost kind of come to him with the tail between their legs and say, hey, hey, hey Strowman, <laughs> you want to talk about that money now? Yeah. Or and and that that almost it's it sucks. But um, if that's something that the Jays, the Blue Jays as an organization, can come to him man to man, and I get he's emotional, I understand it. But he can come to him man to man and say, look, um, 
we're trying to do what's best for our organization to, to get with the timelines of of when we're going to compete. Obviously, he understands that they're not going to compete this year. The organization does understand. And if they can sort of go man to man at the table and say, we'd like to keep you around. We believe we like what we've seen this year. We want to send you we want you to be a, a veteran leader in this part of the group. If you pump his tires a bit that way and say, we want you to be the voice of this team, the the energy, um, the belief of the of the locker room. You think that he would just sort of laugh at them? Yeah, I don't know. I, do. I, I think I think like that I think that, that would be yeah. I think that'd be right in his wheelhouse. Eh. See, this is a dude that during an arbitration hearing felt disrespected when the team was. I, I think it was a couple hundred thousand dollars in difference, right? That it wasn't met to Strowman's asking price, and. Strowman like flipped out. He was like, I'll never forget this. I'll never forget, yeah. you know, the way they talked about me in this arbitration case, which heads up, that's their job, right? They're, <laughs> they're doing their job. But like, if they're going to offer him an extension, I feel that the Blue Jays have one chance to get it right. You can't go to him and lowball him because then that's just tossing salt in the wound, right? That's just saying like, hey, I know we were, you know, non-committal to you, and I know like there's that been this underlining theme of us trading you, and we really haven't said anything contrary to wanting to trade you. In fact, we never said in any radio interviews that we would really love for you to stay in the Blue Jays. Now we really want you. Here's three years 15 million if i'm marcus Stroman, i'm like go fuck yourself are you serious like you have one shot one yeah. shot to make this right and for him not to walk away from this situation yeah you're yeah <laughs> yeah you're right uh you can't fuck this up you really can't uh especially if that if that's your intention of wanting to offer him an extension and re-sign him make him part of the blue jays organization you really have to come strong. And I think that that should be understood by the organization. I mean, look, if me and you are saying it, fuck, I would hope that they think that too. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe they're not in the same wavelength. But you're spot on. They have to have to get this right. If they're going to come, if they're going to come to him and say, look, here's, here's what we're prepared to offer you. Um, it has to be something that at least Marcus Stroman and his camp feel like they can entertain. If they feel like it's a slap in the face, it's over. Well, let's put a bow on the showman talk. Um, gun to your head. Are they trading him? Let's just put it this way. Are they trading him or not? No. They're not. Okay. Why is that? Because they're not going to get the return that they find sufficient enough? Yeah, I think, I think that there's going to be too many people caught up in other pitchers and other sweepstakes. By the time that those are done, I feel like the Blue Jays will have made up their mind. Yeah, if I'm a GM out there looking for pitching, the first person I'm going after is Bauer, 100%. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah. though that fucking asshole blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> but you can't <laughs> deny the talent, man. Like, he, yeah, no, he's no, he's he's a talent, but I I think I think I chirped him in the in in the playoffs and I said go play yeah. with another drone or something and they blocked me. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I was like, hey, any drones today or something? Like I I made a drone joke and and then he he like read he like quoted my tweet and then blocked me. Oh my god, what a bitch! Well, yeah, honestly, I, I feel like the Blue Jays. I if we're gonna go with Campbell's um, report, 
And th again, that's what I lean towards. Yes. It seems that they do have an asking price out there. Teams are uncomfortable paying that asking price. And if I were a betting man, um, the Blue Jays want a number one pitching prospect in return for Stroman and probably then some um, and the, and then some are just like cookie crumbs, but that is probably the floor to what they want in, in exchange for Marcus Stroman and right or wrong. I do think that other teams are kind of like, we see the value in pitching, especially in the long term. Uh, no way we're giving that up. Yeah, um, they the Blue Jays have to win on this trade. Like they have to. It has to be something where the general public or Blue Jays fans, baseball analysts can look and say, "Yeah, you know what? Uh, this team, the contending team that he gets traded to, got better by getting Marcus Stroman." But at the end of the day, that's a really good haul for the Blue Jays. They haven't really had that happen too much. Um, they have to win on this trade. And I think that that might be the one reason why they just don't trade Marcus Roman. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's move on. We talked about him sort of at the jump of the show. Actually, you brought him up uh, just a little bit. Um, Ryan Barucki came back. And again, this is a pitching staff, at least a starting pitching staff, that is thirsty for some assistance. Um, remember the time in spring training that the Blue Jays said, you'll probably just miss one or two starts. Well, come July, here he is. So that's one <laughs> or two starts, right? Um, he was pretty good. Like, I like what I have seen, especially in the minor league footage that has been floated out there on Twitter. Uh, he actually pitched a game in Pawtucket down here in Rhode Island. I wasn't able to attend. Um, it was kind of short-term notice. But, uh, yeah, he he's did okay. He gave up seven hits, which is like not great, but for a guy coming back from an injury, um, four runs, two of which have been earned, four walks, three strikeouts, 3.86 ERA, whatever. Like, I just kind of want to see some life being injected into the starting pitching staff. But then again, we see these close up images of his finger bleeding. Uh, some people say just a cut. When I see that, I'm thinking, fuck, here we go again with the blisters. So I guess we'll split this up. How do you feel or how did you feel about his performance and him coming back? Do you have faith in him for the rest of the year? And as a side, you can begin with this if you want. Are you concerned with this cut slash maybe blister, quote unquote, that you have seen on Twitter? Yeah, I'll start with that. Um, I, yeah, I'm not really concerned about it. And I've kind of tried to dig into it more to see if there's any sort of reports that have been floated out that haven't really gone mainstream about Ryan Baraki. I'm just trying, I'm, I'm literally looking at injury reports, like news, everything haven't heard too much. Um, and I think that at this point, no news is good news. Uh, they the haven't made, <laughs> right. I, I don't, I know. Um, they haven't made a roster move for him or they haven't put him on a, uh, in injury list. Um, so for me, I, I think that that's, good at this point uh, it seems like he'll probably make his next start which and then he'll have a lot more attention on him because of the fact of hey he's coming back from injury now he's coming back from another sort of thing so now he's got two things to battle um that's he pitched in in his performance yeah he gave up seven hits but uh only allowed two earned runs i think that his performance was a good performance coming back from not pitching since the start of the season. Yes. Um, I, I was encouraged by it 
uh, he's only going to get more comfortable throughout the uh, throughout the season. Fingers crossed that he can remain healthy and that this cut isn't a big issue. I'm really trying to like I, we have to get a good bounce with a cut blister thing. Like it has to happen, right? Like this, of we can't keep having bad bounces with blisters, right? Right. <sighs> Look. When, when you see him come out and you see him wiping his finger on his pants and that I'm just immediately thinking, shit, like I don't need another Aaron Sanchez situation for the next two, yeah. three years. Right. And when he's pitching four and, th- and two thirds innings, I'm just kind of like, I feel like he could have gone longer. Right. I feel like if it wasn't for the injury, maybe he would have, or maybe it was a situation thing at the time. Yeah. But, like 92 pitches. All right. Yeah. Whatever. I, I'm cool with it. Just like, I feel like you need to let the leash go and see what you have with these kids, especially someone that has rehabbed as long as he had, just let him go. Like at this point, what do you have to lose? I guess the blister was the issue or the cut rather to make him come out. But save for that, you can't keep this kid on a leash. You need to know what you have in Ryan Barucki. So then like this, again, this going back to Stroman, this may affect the decision on what to do with Stroman, right? Because if you trade Stroman and Barucki's injured, you literally have a shit pitching staff oh yeah remember when i told you that ryan brock you would be the ace of this pitching staff at the very <laughs> beginning of the year it's gonna happen <laughs> not the way i thought it was going to but um yeah. i mean kind of uh, i'm gonna I'm, I'm i'm gonna come back a little bit actually to the marcus stroman thing because i just saw a tweet come up because i was looking for something on twitter to to make a connect a point but, sure yeah um tanaka is not even done the first inning for the New York Yankees game. He's given up seven earned runs. Okay. Okay. Um, this might now push the Yankees into saying, Oh, yeah, well, uh, you want, you want this guy? You want, uh, what's his name? Uh, what I had Garcia. him up here. This, this is what I was looking for. What's his name again? Garcia. Yes. Garcia. And that's, that's why I was looking for it. And then I come across this thing with Tanaka giving up seven runs. Um, Ryan Barucki, if Marcus Stroman does get traded, Ryan Barucki is the face of this pitching staff, and that's yep. kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm I believe in Ryan Barucki. Um, I know that there's a few people that are kind of still hesitant on him, and that's fine. The, the, the sample size isn't great for the major. He hasn't pitched a full year in the major leagues, but from what we've seen out of Ryan Barucki. Um, it's enough for me to say, look, he can be that number two, number three guy on a contending team if he gets to where I think that he can get to. And that's that's perfectly fine. You need guys like Ryan Barucki's on your team. That's a ceiling um, you're saying. Pardon me? That's a ceiling you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't think I don't think he's a true ace on a contending team. He can be an ace on a fringe playoff team slash garbage team. Um, but I think if you say that you got a good pitching staff, I don't think he's going to be your ace. I think that Nate Pearson could be an ace potentially. I think that's his ceiling. He can be an ace, but Ryan Baraki, I don't know. Saying that, um, Baraki is, is almost, (laughs) it's almost like the future in right now for the Toronto Blue Jays in terms of the pitching staff from what we've seen on this current roster. Um, from what I saw the other game, good outing, good outing, not worried about it. Uh, if if he continues that sort of trend for the next month or two, then maybe I kind of say, well, you're giving up seven hits, seven, eight hits in four and two thirds innings. That's not ideal. 
but I think that he's only going to get better from here once he gets his reps in and he, and he faces more live batters. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's all right. Yeah. You know, admittedly, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about Ryan Barucki, but, you know, when it comes to anchoring this rotation, he is certainly a part of it. And again, facing a team like Cleveland, Cleveland's sort of on that verge of teetering what they're going to do at the trade deadline, whether or not they feel like they can contend or not. Um, it's still a good team, right? In a pretty good division, minus two teams. But like, this is a, a team that could be challenging, and it's definitely throwing. I consider this throwing Baraki to the wolves, considering how the Blue Jays have been playing throughout the entire year so far. So gauging whether or not we should be worried after one start is foolish, right? And I'm not saying either of us are doing that, but I need to see more. I need to see more, not just in terms of uh, more starts. I need to see him in his, how I need to see the Blue Jays and specifically Montoyo test his longevity, right? And if this isn't a persistent issue with his finger, and if it's not a blister issue, knock on desk, I hope it's not. Um, I kind of want to see him go more than four and two thirds. I want to see him push six maybe because then I, I feel like we have a pitcher that doesn't have durability issues. We have a pitcher that can adjust mid inning or, or midway through his outing. And we're not seeing this dreaded Aaron Sanchez like fifth inning where everything falls apart. I need to see more from him. And I need to see that this blue Jays pitching staff is in good hands moving forward and there's a lot riding on what Baruchy will provide this team in the quote-unquote contending years that we referenced earlier. Yeah, and if he if he's not able to get to his quote-unquote ceiling or what we've discussed, that is that is a substantial blow to the Blue Jays' rotation. Um, we've it's not like we can count on. And Aaron Sanchez rebound, I don't think. I think that Aaron Sanchez is bound to the bullpen. Um, and that's his fate at this point, which is kind of crazy to think about because literally a year ago we were saying that we would rather have Aaron Sanchez be the guy than Stroman. Oh yeah. But how quickly things turn in yeah. a year, right? Like both of us were saying that. So I'm not I'm not saying like one of us was everyone was saying was, that. Right? Yeah. And um it's it's just it's, it's crazy. The perception can turn on Baraki in a year for better or worse. Right. Someone could be like, we could see a almost like a Cy Young-esque second half from Ryan Baraki, similar to what we've seen from uh, from other pitchers in the past. And you go, OK, this guy can actually be nice if he keeps this up and blah, blah. And then he might come into the next year and just suck. Yeah. Remember, Aaron Sanchez, if he didn't have those innings limits, might have actually won the Cy Young. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he had those. He, he had second? that gap. Right. Yeah. yeah. He was he was like second or third that year in voting. Um, but then they went to that six man rotation and all that, all that garbage. Cause they want to keep them on an innings thing, whatever And I think that's where the durability issues now come in. I think that they could, I think they were too cautious with that. Um, but you have to, you, you have to bank on some of these guys to come through. And if Baraki doesn't, that's not good for the Toronto Blue Jays. Like simply put, it's not good. They need him to come through because the depth that they have coming up that can pan out that way in the ceiling that we envision these pitchers to get to, it's there's not a lot that we think they can get there. So Ryan Brocky has to keep that up. 
He has, I believe, one more start. He has at least one more start uh, before the trade deadline. I want to say it's either Sunday or Monday. Um, if he performs well enough on Sunday or Monday, do you think that's going to change the perception of how this front office, circling it back to trade deadline talk, do you think that's going to skew or persuade them to be a little bit more aggressive or less aggressive to move a Marcus Stroman based on this upcoming start for Ryan Brucky? Because, like I said, if he's not right this year and Stroman gets traded, this pitching staff has been blown to shit, right? And if he, Stroman does get traded and Brucky isn't the guy long term, you're looking at a complete rebuild of this rotation, like from top to bottom. Maybe you can stick. Thornton in there in the long term. I, I don't know how comfortable they are doing that, but you can certainly do worse for a number five starting pitching pitchers say. So I, I just don't know. It, I don't know if there's a lot riding on this next start. Maybe I'm being way too overdramatic about it, but I feel like they need to know what they have in this kid. Yeah, I don't think that I, th- I think it might maybe sway them one way or another, but a little bit, I don't think that it's going to be a main factor. Um, I just think that if if they're going to go one way, I think that they've almost sort of made up their mind, barring an unforeseen change in whatever. Um, Ryan Baraki will start on Saturday versus Tampa at home. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, That's, that's a tough matchup uh, for a team that is hot. Uh, he was supposed to start opposite of Blake Snell, but, uh, that injury that occurred with Blake Snell, that really sucks for Tampa. But, um, Barucky, that's a tough matchup. Uh, the, the Tampa Bay Rays, they know how to hit and not, not necessarily homers. They just, they know how to hit the ball. They know how to, they know how to put guys on. Uh, they, they're, they're very selective with their pitches. They know how to, to hit singles, doubles and move, move runners. And, um, if Baraki's giving up seven hits already, this is really going to be a good test for him to see if he can almost control that against a team that can, that's very smart up at the plate. Um, hopefully he's able to do that. Um, I don't necessarily know. So I, if I was a member of the Toronto Blue Jays front office, I don't know if I'd put too much into it. Um, if he didn't have a great outing, I think if he did, it might be something to look at, but I don't think that really affects the decision with Marcus Stroman too much either way. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Shit, man. When's the last time we said that Tampa Bay was a good hitting team? They're usually just a good <laughs> pitching team, but yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. think like think think about the guys that they have, right? Yeah. Like it's it, it's I know I, I almost like I'm almost surprised myself by saying it, but it's true. Like you you look at what they've been able to do this season. It's unbelievable. All right, let's circle back to some trade talk um in a general sense. Um I kind of wanted to wrap up the show with this, um, and we could talk about this in long form. Um, There are numerous trade candidates, at least amongst beat writers out there, that the Blue Jays possess. Um, Sogard is definitely a popular one. There's Galvis. Sanchez's uh, value may have been slightly replenished due to this last start, which was good. It wasn't great. It was solid i guess um justin smoke is another name that has been tossed out there um i guess grichuk has been a name that's been tossed out there just because the the extension in hindsight may look like a mistake and the blue jays i guess want to trim more payroll like whatever um are there (laughs) first of all are there any um players on this roster current mlb roster not named vlad to you 
that are untouchable. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Okay. Interesting. Um, I would not trade him, especially that contract. <laughs> like, yeah. That seven years, $22 million. He's in, he signed that in 2016. So he is in year three of that deal because it didn't matter if he was in the minors or the majors when he signed that deal. The deal right. was seven years. Um, so that would mean that he's in the third year of the deal. He's got four more years. That's like a $3.1 million average salary. <laughs> so you essentially have Lord Esguriel Jr. four years and $12 million. You're not beautiful. Yeah, um, beautiful. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Obviously, we're not like it's stupid to yeah. even think. Um, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Uh, Danny Jansen, actually, I would not trade him. Um, he's a fucking he, treasure. <laughs> he's uh, that guy is an absolute fucking beauty. Like he's he is a beauty. Don't trade him. Uh, he's the catcher of your future. So Danny, Kevin, uh, Lourdes and Vladdy. Those are the guys that to me on this roster are untouchable. And Ryan Barucki, let's say we'll throw him in there because we're we'll talk about everyone. Um, anyone else can can go. I really don't care. Mm. Uh, I actually I I really do like Ken Giles, but I, I understand why he's being shopped. I understand uh, he's like I would say he's ninety nine percent gone, um, which is unfortunate because good closers are are difficult to find. Uh, but I just don't think that he matches up with our timeline. Um, I know we said the same thing sort of about Strowman and I think they're similar ages, but um, I just, I don't know. Closers can be fickle. There's Familia had good years and now he's garbage. So um, that's, that's tricky. I think you try to sell high on a closer like that uh, and, and go from there. But uh, those would be the five, five. Yeah. Five that I would say I would not accept calls on the rest. Can we, I discuss. Yeah. Yeah, I think that when you have a, a moment or an opportunity, rather, to sell high on a closer, you sort of have to take advantage of it right away. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to be awesome year in and year out. There are only a handful of closers that I can think of that have been really good and really reliable every single year. Um, Rivera. Yeah, Chapman. Rivera. Um, you can toss Osuna in there. He, he was reliable while he was yeah. here. Um, I just don't want another BJ Ryan experience, right? If, if they <laughs> do offer him an extension or something, um, I'd, I'd rather trade him. You're not going to get a top 100 guy for Giles, but you might get someone in like a ball that is a, is a decent enough arm, kind of like the Juan DePaulo that came in the Kevin Pillar trade. Like you don't know what's there quite yet. It's still a bit raw and it can turn into something, you know, magical for this team. Perhaps you never know. Um, but I'm sure the Blue Jays are eyeing a little bit higher in terms of a Giles yeah. uh, exchange because, you know, relievers are a dime a dozen right now. And a good reliever is really hard to find, especially for a contending team. Um, but I'm with you, dude. I, I, I wouldn't trade Jansen. Um, it's really hard to find a good catcher. And he's made strides from the beginning of the year until this point. Um, and I can only see him moving onward and upward in this organization. Um, Kevin, the eye is just incredible at the plate. And the, it's still a little raw defensively. Like you see these little mental errors, but I feel like that's just going to clean up over time and probably sooner rather than later. Um, Vlad, we don't even have to talk about it. You already talked about Lord is, I think that was an outstanding point, but when it comes to like Tay Oscar or great Chuck, or no, even... they're, they're key. They're key pillars moving forward. <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> yeah. Um, 
Sogard, I think, is a guy that you could really sell high on right now. I love him, but yeah, yeah he's it's, uh, absolutely. That contract is just so attractive to to other teams, right? It's yeah. like the league minimum right now. You gotta you gotta move him. Well, and that can. doesn't that doesn't exclude any team, right? Like an Oakland Athletics can jump in there if they want to. Teams that budget hard, right? Yeah. It's that can cr- truly create a bidding war if you have um, a guy with such a low contract like that. Absolutely. Yeah, super utility, man. It's a thing. And that's where baseball is sort of trending. And when you have a guy that is hitting almost 300, right, that's pretty insane that Sogard is hitting as well as he has been consistently, (laughs) too. Right. It, this isn't like a small sample size. He's been pretty solid since the start of the season. Right. He's one of the best. He's one of the best leadoff guys in baseball. Yeah. He's hitting 299. It's pretty fucking good. (laughs) It's not with speed, right? And he he's got good contact, he's clutch, like you said, super utility. Um almost like a Ben Zobris type. Yeah. Yeah, he's his OPS is 843, right? That's pretty good. It's really good, right? <laughs> that's, Especially that's, for yeah, someone that's, that's making six good. figures. Yeah, six figures right now. You can shop that around. I personally like to hold on to Galvis. I know like people are concerned about if Galvis is here, how does that make room for a Beau Bichette? Um, I truly believe that Sogard and Gal- one of Sogard and Galvis is going to get moved. I think having the extra year of control of Galvis makes it a little bit more easy or a little easier, rather, for the Blue Jays to maintain him. And plus the veteran presence. We've talked about this on the last show. The veteran presence that Galvis has for these young kids I find very valuable, and I think the organization does too. So if you can spell Bichette with Galvis here and there, I don't think Galvis would have any objections to that. I think... Um, Moving Sogard would give a contending team an opportunity to really push the needle, especially on the cheap. Um, so that being said, I feel like a lo- I feel like the Blue Jays are going to be super busy this trade deadline. I do too. Whether it's little minor moves or um, big time moves, regardless of whether they trade Stroman or not, I think that they have a lot. Uh, you know, you got Daniel Hudson's of the world, mm-hmm. Ken Giles, Eric Sogards. Um, there's a lot that they can do. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I mean, you can you can move Sogard and Galvis if you really choose to do so. But I I would tend to lean more towards you with I think that they would keep Galvis. Uh, I think that they'll sell high on Sogard, especially with that contract. Uh, keep Galvis for another year as a veteran presence. I think that you almost want to keep Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as happy as possible. And I yeah. think that he really likes playing with Freddie Galvis. Uh, so especially that's that's almost his partner on the on the left side, right? If you kind of take a look at it, it's either him or it's Sogard usually. Mm-hmm. So um, trying to make him happy and, and and keep him around. If you have Galvis and Bichette and they almost sort of platoon or spread time and you have one of those two beside Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think that that's pretty good. So um, I would tend to lean towards you in, in terms of thinking that they would keep Galvis over trading him. Yeah, I think that the number one goal right here is to get the kids up here as soon as possible to sort of develop that chemistry and having players like as good as they have been like this isn't a knock on Sogard but he is sort of log jamming that position to prevent a Boba from coming up and I do think the organization unlike Stroman right at least unlike our hopes for how they're going to handle Stroman I don't think they're just going to uh, settle on Stroman right I don't think they're going to say oh we'll just take whatever we can get for Marcus Stroman I think they're selling high but in the in the case of Sogard and Galvis and the Bichette line, 
if they're aggressively moving Sogard, I think that will be a situation where they're just like, ah, let's just take what we can get so we can get a better player up here, right? Because, you know, Rich Burfer last week made the, a great point about a potential Sogard trade. Like, whatever you trade Sogard for, you have to envision it in the in the terms of you're trading Sogard for X and Bo because at that point, Bo is coming up to your Major League roster. There's no way he's coming up with both both Galvis and Sogard right now on the team. Absolutely. It, it clears, naturally, clears space. Uh, it's a very good point by Rich. Um, and if you think about it, too, the <laughs> the investment and the risk on Sogard was so low right? that anything in return is a win. <laughs> right this is an asset that nobody wanted that started out in your minor league system didn't even make the major league roster to start camp mm-hmm. started out in triple a buffalo and by by a fluke he was on the team worked hard and has been here ever since and no one's even ever thought about considering putting him back down to triple a news and that right there um is a prime example of why you don't always shoot down the idea of these buy low or these low risk high reward uh, signings where everyone's like, who the, who the fuck is this guy? Uh, yeah. Why are they sh- shacking sucks again? And all you know what I mean? Like it's you, you hear that so much because people don't understand asset management <laughs> and buying, buying low and selling high is always a way to do it. And if you pan out on one of them, like if you get a Eric Sogard situation out of 10 buy low sell highs, you take that a hundred times out of a hundred for sure. Yeah. Um, Moving around the diamond, do you think it is probable that a Justin Smoke gets moved, or do you think, nah, dude, he's playing first base here next year? No, I think he's gone. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think I think he's gone. Uh, I think that uh, you have you have guys like Telez. I understand Telez is down AAA, and he hasn't had like he started off well and has slumped. Um, but you have. You, it's almost like you kind of need this space. You got Telez, Kevin Biggio can play first. Um, there are other guys on this team that you could almost put there at first to create extra space if you wanted to incorporate players like uh, Galvis and Brandon Drury um, and get them a little bit more playing time throughout the course of the season. I think that first base could be an interesting position to be opened up, and by doing that, it would have to mean trading a guy like Justin Smoke. Um, I really do like Justin Smoke. I don't think he would get a, a massive return no. on the market because he has had a slower year this year. It hasn't been the, the greatest. It hasn't been bad. It hasn't been the greatest. But uh, I think that they will pull the trigger on Justin Smoke. But I thought that they would last year because he's having such a great year and it was basically an all-star campaign. And he probably... I, I think that's when they should have sold high on Smoke. So I was a little bit disappointed when they didn't. Not to say I don't like smoke, but um, I was just disappointed when they didn't pull the trigger on that. But uh, I think that with the logistics of everything, it's probably I, I foresee it happening, but I've been wrong on it before. 
See, I don't see a future here for a guy like Rowdy Telez either. I don't see a future here for Justin Smoke, don't get me wrong. In terms of the long term in, in that competitive window that we were talking about or the you know the perceived competitive window that the Blue Jays are aiming for, I don't see Rowdy Telez being part of it either, only because he's such an antiquated style of player that doesn't really fit in today's mold of the MLB. Right? How many good, reliable, just natural DHs are out there right now that you would be begging to have on your team besides maybe Edwin. Yeah, you're, I was just about yeah. to say Edwin. Um, the DH on the, um, um, on the athletics, Chris Davis. Oh, yeah. But I would love, I would love Chris Davis on I my team. But I just don't feel like he's a stereotypical DH. Oh, okay, fair. If, if we're talking about that, yeah, fair. Um, yeah, no, I get what you're saying with like the big body yeah. and, and so yeah, okay, I I I'm following. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm trying. I'm literally trying to go through it. Uh, in my head, yeah, I don't really I don't really see too much. I mean, yeah, those, those type of guys were like the Moraleses of the world, and mm-hmm. they were fine before, but uh, it died yeah, with I mean, Poppy. Really? Yeah, it really did. It really did die with Big Poppy. But I don't know. I think that I think Rowdy has shown promise with this team. I think that he got off to a pretty good start. And I think that it's been going downhill since if he changes his swing. I could see Rowdy Tellez hitting 35 to 40 home runs. In <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. That just excites me. It really. Does. I know. I think I think that he really has that potential to be like a three, four, five hitter if he is able to figure it out in AAA and the guys that are down there do their, do the jobs that they are expected to do and help fix his swing. And with the hitting that the blue Jays have been able to do this season with their hitting coach, um, I I'm blanking on his name. He's uh, he, he's been, he's been really good for this team because they've come up to a top 10 offense over the past few months. I think that Rowdy Telez can get there he's not there obviously right now he's not there yet right i think that he can get to like 35 40 bombs um 90 to 100 rbi i think he can be that type of guy for you uh it's more more than likely he probably it's it's more than 50 percent chance that he won't but there is that i'd say it's like a 40 35 to 40 percent chance that he can figure it out and get to that point i hope so um, Guillermo Martinez is the hitting coach. Yeah, of the Blue Jays. I was I was gonna say that, and I didn't want to look like an idiot, <laughs> so okay. I can't remember his name. I didn't I didn't want to butcher it either. And like, oh my god, I was gonna say that too. Um, so. it, it's it's one of those situations that I I hope a Triple A stint for Telez is effective in the same extent or in similar vein as it was for say Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Right, that would be incredible. Um, I just worry that this regime is so modern in their approach and how they're looking for players to play multiple positions or capable, rather, of playing multiple positions. And Telez just doesn't fit the bill because I also see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as a long-term first baseman. And the third baseman on this team just isn't here right now. And I do think that that is someone... I think you're going to see that sooner rather than later. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. transition to first base because I just feel like he's a natural fit there. And it's easier to find maybe a good defensive third baseman than it is to find like that natural first baseman that can hit for power. 
Yeah, I don't see Vladdy transitioning over there for at least another like five years. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I I really really like what he what I've seen from him on the defensive end at third base, uh, and I think that he can still provide that mobility and, and agility. Uh, nice rhyme, but uh, <laughs> probably for the next I would say probably about five years, and then they might to save him a little bit, move him to first, especially if he's going to be playing turf a lot. Might move him to first, but. Um, I think that he can stay there for about five years. So for me, um, that's not really an imminent concern. I do think that they will eventually shift them to first. I agree. I just don't think it's going to be as immediate as what you think. Okay. All right. Fair. Um, all right. So, you know, pretty much on the table right now, at least ostensibly, the Blue Jays have Stroman. You can toss Aaron Sanchez in there. I don't think there's going to be many suitors for him. Maybe, maybe not. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade him because his value is way too low. And yeah. there's too much. There's still too much promise with Aaron Sanchez to let him walk for a single aid garbage bum. Yeah, I'm not doing it. Basically. Um, yeah. Daniel Hudson is on the the block probably. Uh, Giles is there joining him as well. Uh, we threw out names like Eric Sogard, Freddie Galvis, Justin Smoke, um, maybe a Randall Graychuk. Again, I, I don't understand it, but I'm not against it. Um, I don't think Telez has any value in the trade market. No. I hope no one took that no. um, out of that conversation. Um, no, no, that's that's not what I'm saying. He's he has zero value right now. Yeah, none. I'm just trying to say he can get built. He can probably if 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 he puts in the right work, he can get built up to that mm-hmm. potential. Um, Brandon Jury, maybe. Um, these are all pieces that can be moved. Uh, McKinney, Teoscar Hernandez. Um, you know, this may come as a surprise. I wouldn't move Luke Maley only because I value the aspect of a backup catcher right now. And I sure. do like the, uh, the rest that it gives Danny Jansen at the moment. Um, I don't see him long-term, but in, in terms of moving catchers this year, I don't think they should move either. They should get Josh Tolley back. <laughs> <laughs> Get JP out of retirement. Fuck yeah, it. honestly, he's he's on. He's doing some Yahoo like sports stuff. Bring him, bring him back. What's what going is? on here? He can. He'll probably hit like four bombs in his first like four abs, and yeah. then and then just suck. <laughs> um, Socrates Brito down in AAA. Trade him. I don't. I almost. Fuck. I actually forgot that he that he was on this team. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, like you replenish that value from what you traded. Yeah. Uh, you know, away in Kevin Blar. So otherwise I, I got no one. Do you have any other trade candidates that you want to bring up? Um, no, I'm just like, I I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, I no, I think, I think that the ones that will get you, I, I think that Ken Giles will fetch you a bigger return than what you think that he would get. Okay. He's not um, getting it. Sorry. They are not getting a top 100 guy. I agree. Um, but I do think that he can fetch you. And I think that a fair return for him would be a uh, type of return that the Blue Jays had gotten for Jay Happ last year. Okay. And yeah. I think that that's a fair return for uh, a Ken Giles. Think about what, and I'm not saying Ken Giles is a world as chapman, but think about and And, and, um, and uh, why am I think blanking on his name? Uh, Andrew um, Miller. Uh, oh, Andrew shit. Miller. Hmm? Miller. Yes, Miller. Thank yeah. you. Um, I was envisioning the Cleveland jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, why, why am I blanking? So he's not that type of player. I'm not saying that he's that upper echelon tier. But those those closers that have that have been 
stellar throughout two years or multiple years, we're getting really big returns in terms of trades. I think that Ken Giles will, uh, he will not get the same return. I'm not saying that. Right. But I think that it's going to be bigger than what a typical back end um, close, a back end of your bullpen type of pitcher would get. So uh, I think that the Ken Giles, you might, you might get a couple like 15 to 20 to 25 ish prospects in that team's farm. Plus, maybe a, a kind of mediocre bullpen guy to come back, so you have a body. Right. But that would be that would be it. But I but I don't think it's going to be one tri- one like single A guy with promise. Right. All right. Fair enough. Um. Well, in any event, this is a pretty you know unconventional trade deadline because this is the first time, at least in recent history, that the MLB is implementing a strict t- trade deadline. Talk finally. about this. Yeah, finally, right? I, it keeps the guessing game out of it, which I feel will make teams a little bit more aggressive at the deadline. Or maybe they're going to make them a little bit more conservative in what they want to give up. I don't know. Um, but it's going to be interesting nonetheless. This team should look different a week from today. Um, but they got a couple of games to play before then, so let's run those down and we'll wrap it up. Um, they got a homestand this weekend, three against Tampa Bay. I'm going to make this easy. I feel like they're only going to win one of them. I feel like they win zero. Okay, there you go. That's, next. Yeah, next. <laughs> um, then they travel to Kansas City. If it wasn't for the trade deadline on Wednesday, I would say this is a sweep. But because I don't know if like any integral moving parts are going to be moved that Wednesday, I'm going to say two out of three. Hmm, that's actually a good. That's a good question. Um, yeah, I'm going to say two. I just, I, I, I still think that that can't. I, I don't know. Kansas City sucks. Obviously, they're I'm terrible. Not saying they're they're <laughs> garbage. But I feel like, and there's not a ton of players that are still around from that Kansas City Toronto series. But I still think that there's like an almost understanding of like, I, I fu- fuck this team. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's not really in the blood of most of the players that are there from either side, but it's almost just like, okay, you know what? This team's not, they're, they're not great. We're not great, but let's put on a show here because we don't, I don't want to lose this team. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I think that both teams will be on, on their best on, on one of their better games. I think, I think it'll be two out of three for Toronto. Okay. So you're with me there. So I am with you there. Oh, look at this. Uh, Ryan, uh, uh, Ryan DeFrancesco tweeted out a picture 15 minutes ago about Rowdy Telez opening up his stance in Buffalo and working go. on op- opening up the stance. So uh, yeah. Ryan, my man, thank you for putting that out here while I'm recording this so that I can say, look, Rowdy Telez is going to come back and hit 35 to 40 bombs, get 90 to 100 RBI. Yeah, man. Book it. Check. Shout out to uh, to Ryan DeFrancesco. He keeps that minor league stuff right in your face, and I love yes. it on Twitter. Yeah. It keeps you up to date. So if you guys great follow, yeah, if you guys want to follow uh, some a guy that is first of all a personal friend of mine and someone that is very knowledgeable in the Blue Jay system, uh, file follow Ryan DeFrancesco on Twitter. Um, but speaking of following on Twitter, you know the deal. This is your time to shine. Let everyone know where they can find you, your work, all the above, man. Go for it. Floor is yours. Yeah. So you can check me out on Twitter at T-O underscore sports views. Check out the website, torontosportsviews.com. You can also listen to my podcast, the TSV podcast. Haven't done too much in the summer. The last podcast that I did was 
a little solo pod on the reflection of uh, the Toronto Raptors season. Kawhi leaving. Kiwi Leonard. Can't remember who that guy is. Yeah. (laughs) I've never heard. And um, yeah, that's basically it's it's been more of a low key summer, uh, but it's going to start picking up again real soon. Uh, Raptors, uh, the Raptors stuff has been very interesting to follow especially once trade deadline is passed there will be some content on the blue jays but that will probably be it until september <laughs> so um that that will be i'm sure uh, it's going to be kind of a little low season low low work period but we'll get ramped up again once um the big season start and the call-ups come up and everything will sort of start to come together in september so uh keep your eyes peeled for that or ears i guess the link to Connor's work will be in the description of the show, as well as both Twitter handles that you can follow. Those being his personal one and the Toronto Sports News Twitter handle. They will be in the description. If you're listening on an iOS device, just tap the screen on the uh, artwork of the show. And it's a little fast track to get to it. But otherwise, dude, it's been absolutely phenomenal talking to you i don't know how many people i can talk an hour and 10 minutes of blue jays content with but apparently you're the only one so i appreciate (laughs) you coming on and uh (laughs) look we'll do this again soon absolutely man cheers thank you for listening to the south of the six podcast don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at south of the six and subscribe to our show we're on apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher spotify yeah we're everywhere while you're at it if you liked what you heard do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review we appreciate it thanks again go jays and raptors